Welcome to the Counting Sleep Podcast. Today I'm going to tell an incredibly boring story with the point of sending you to sleep. Let me know in the comments the last thing you remember before you drifted off. The history of accounting. The history of accounting can be traced to ancient civilizations. The early development of accounting dates to ancient Mesopotamia and is closely related to developments in writing, counting, and money, and the early auditing systems by ancient Egyptians and Babylonians. By the time of the Roman Empire, the government had access to detailed financial information. In India, Chanakya wrote a manuscript similar to the financial management book. During the time of the Mauryan Empire, his book, Ashrathata, contained few detailed aspects of maintaining books of accounts for a sovereign state. The Italian Luca Pacioli recognized the father of accounting and bookkeeping was the first person to publish a work on double-entry bookkeeping and introduced the field in Italy. The modern profession of the chartered accountant originated in Scotland in the 19th century. Accountants often belonged to the same association as solicitors, who often offered accounting services to their clients. Early modern accounting had similarities to today's forensic accounting. Accounting began to transition into an organized profession by the 19th century, with local professional bodies in England merging to form the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales in 1980. Accounting records dating back more than 7,000 years have been found in Mesopotamia and documents from ancient Mesopotamia show lists of expenditures and goods received and traded. The development of accounting, along with that of money and numbers, may be related to the taxation and trading of temples. Another part of this explanation as to why accounting employs the numerical metaphor is that money, numbers, and accounting are interrelated and perhaps inseparable in their origins, all emerged in the context of controlling goods, stocks, and transactions in the temple economy of Mesopotamia. The early development of accounting was closely related to developments in writing, counting, and money. In particular, there is evidence of a key step in the development of counting. The transition from concrete to abstract counting was related in the early development of accounting and money took place in Mesopotamia. Other early accounting records were also found in the ruins of ancient Babylon, Assyria and Sumer, which date back more than 7,000 years. The people of that time relied on primitive accounting methods to record the growth of crops and herds because there was a natural season to farming and herding, and it was easy to count and determine if a surplus had been gained after the crops 
had been harvested or the young animals weaned. Expansion of the role of accountant. Between the 4th millennium BC and the 3rd millennium BC, the ruling leaders and priests in ancient Iran had people oversee financial matters. In Godin Tepe and Tepe Yarhara, cylindrical tokens that were used for bookkeeping on clay scripts were found in buildings that had large rooms for storage of crops. In Godin Tepe's findings, the script only contained tables with figures, while in Tepe Yahai's findings, the scripts also contained graphical representations. The invention of a form of bookkeeping using clay tokens represented a huge cognitive leap for mankind. During the second millennium BC, the expansion of commerce and business expanded into the role of the accountant. The Phoenicians invented a phonetic alphabet, probably for bookkeeping purposes, based on Egyptian hieratic script. And there is evidence that an individual in ancient Egypt held the title Controller of the Scribes. There is also evidence for an early form of accounting in the Old Testament. For example, the Book of Exodus describes Moses engaging Ithamar to account for the materials that had been contributed towards the building of the tabernacle. By about the 4th century BC, the ancient Egyptians and Babylonians had auditing systems for checking movements in and out of storehouses, including oral audit reports, resulting in the term auditor from Latin, audire, to hear. The importance of taxation had created a need for the recording of payments, and the Rosetta Stone also includes a description of a tax revolt. The Roman Empire By the time of Emperor Augustus, the Roman government had access to detailed financial information as evidenced by the Res Gustae Divi Augustae, or the deeds of the Divine Augustus. The inscription was to account of the Roman people and the Emperor Augustus's stewardship and listed and quantified his public expenditure, including distributions to the people, grants of land or money to army veterans, subsidies to the treasury, building of temples, religious offerings, and expenditures on theatrical shows and gladiatorial games covering a period of about 40 years. The scope of the accounting information at the Emperor's disposal suggests that its purpose encompassed planning and decision-making. The Roman historians Suetonius and Cassius Dio record that in 23 BC, Augustus prepared a rationarium or an account which listed public revenues, the amount of cash in the treasury in the provincial fisci or tax officials and the hands of the publicani, the public contractors, and that it included the names and the freedmen and slaves whom a detailed account could be obtained. The closeness of this information to the exclusive authority of the emperor is attended by Tacticus' statement that was written out by Augustus himself. Records of cash, commodities and transactions were kept scrupulously by the military personnel of the Roman army 
an account of small cash sums received over a few days at the fort of Vindoclandia, circa AD 110, shows that the fort could compete revenues in cash on a daily basis, perhaps from sales of surplus supplies or goods manufactured in camp, items dispensed to slaves such as cerveza or beer or clavi calgares, nails for boots, as well as commodities bought by individual soldiers. The basic needs of the fort were met by a mixture of production, purchase and requisition. In one letter, a request for money to buy 5,000 modi measures of braces, a cereal used in brewing, shows that the fort bought provisions for a considerable number of people. The Heronius Archive is the name given to a huge collection of papyrus documents, mostly letters, but also including a fair number of accounts which come from Roman Egypt in 3rd century AD. The bulk of the documents relate to the running of a large, private estate, and is named after Heronius because he was Frontates, the manager of the estate which had complexed its standardised system of accounting, which was followed by all its local farm managers. Each administrator on each subdivision of the estate drew up his own little accounts for the day-to-day running of the estate. Payment of the workforce, production of crops, the sale of produce, the use of animals and general expenditure of the staff. This information was then summarised as pieces of papyrus scroll into one big yearly account for each particular subdivision of the estate. Entries were arranged by sector, with cash expenditures and gains extrapolated from the different sectors. Accounts of this kind gave the owner the opportunity to take better economic decisions because the information was purposely selected and arranged. Medieval and Renaissance Periods Double Entry Bookkeeping In 8th century Persia, scholars were confronted with the Quran's requirement that Muslims keep record of their indebtedness as part of their obligation to account to God in all matters of their life. This became particularly difficult when it came to inheritance which demanded detailed accounting for the estate after death of an individual, the assets remaining after the payment of funeral expenses and debts were allocated to every family member in fixed shares. This included wives, children, fathers and mothers. This required extensive use of ratios, multiplication and division that depended on the mathematics of Hindu Arabic numerals. The inheritance mathematics was solved by a system developed by the medieval Islamic mathematician Muhammad Unmasa Kalrazia, known in Europe as algorithmi, for which we devise the word algorithm. Al-Khwarizmi's opus, the compendious book on calculation by completion and balancing, established the mathematics of algebra with the last chapter devoted to double-entry bookkeeping required for the solution to the Islamic inheritance allocations. Al-Khwarizmi's work was wildly circulated. At a time, there was no substantial active discourse and trade between Arabic, Jewish, and European scholars. 
It was taught in the learning systems of Alandius and Iberia, and from the 10th century forward slowly found its way into European banking, which began slipping Hindo-Arabic numerals into accounting books, despite their prohibition as sinful by the medieval church. Bankers in Cairo, for example, used a double-entry bookkeeping system that predated the known usage of such form in Italy, and whose records remain from the 11th century AD found amongst the Cairo Genesio. Fibonacci included double-entry and Hindo-Arabic numerals in his Liber Abaci, which was widely read in Italy and Europe. Al-Khwazami's book introduced algebra, meaning restoration, translated in English to algebra, its inheritance counting leading to three fundamental accounting algebraic concepts. Debits equals credits. Algebraic manipulations on the left hand and right hand sides of an equal sign had to balance or they were in error. This is the algebraic equivalent of double entry bookkeeping for error control. Real accounts. These included assets for tracking wealth weighed against the liabilities from claims of others against that wealth and the difference in which the owner's net wealth or owner's equity. This was al Khwazami's basic accounting equation. Nominal accounts. These tracked activity that affected wealth and the restoration into the real accounts reflected accounting's closing process and the calculation of the owner's increment of wealth, or net income. Algebra balances and restores formulas on the left and right of an equal sign. Double-entry bookkeeping similarly balances and restores debit and credit totals around an equal sign. Accounting is the balancing and restoration of algebra applied to wealth accounting. In 756, the Abbasid Caliph al-Mansur sent scholars, merchants, and mercenaries to support Tang's dynasty, Dukes of Lai's thwart of the Anxi Rebellion. The Abbasids and the Tangs established an alliance, where the Abbasids were known as black-robed Arabs. The Tang dynasty's extensive conquest of polygate court required new mathematics to manage a complex bureaucratic system of tithes, corvée labor, and taxes. Abbasid scholars implemented their algebraic double-entry bookkeeping into operations of as many Tang ministries as possible. The Tang dynasty expanded their maritime presence across the Indian Ocean, Persian Gulf and Red Sea and up the Euphrates River. On land they conquered much of what today is now China. The Tangs invented paper currency with roots in merchant receipts of deposits as merchants and wholesalers. The Tang's money certificates, colloquially known as flying cash because of its tendency to blow away, demanded much more extensive accounting for transaction. A fiat currency only drives value from the history of transactions, starting with government issue. Unlike gold and spacey, Paper money was much more portable than heavy metallic spacey, and the Tang assured its universal usage under the threat of penalties and possibly execution for using anything else. The Tangs were great innovators in the widespread use of paper for accounting books and transaction documents. 
They developed 8th century Chinese printing techniques involving chiseling of an entire page of text into a woodblock backwards, applying ink and printing pages by inventing early movable type, including characters chiseled in wood and the creation of ceramic print blocks. Tang's science, culture, manners and clothing were wildly imitated across Asia. Japan's traditional dress, as well as customs like sitting on the floor for meals, were borrowed from the Tangs. Imperial ministries adopted the Tang double-entry bookkeeping for administration of taxes and expenditures. The Goryeo Kingdom, the modern name Korea, derives from Goryeo, donned the imperial yellow clothing of the Tangs and used the three departments and six ministries imperial system of the Tang dynasty and had its own micro-tributary system that included the Jurchen tribes of North China. The Tang's double-entry bookkeeping was essential to managing the complex bureaucracies surrounding the Goryeo tribute and taxation. Later dispersion of the knowledge of double-entry can be attributed to the rise of Genghis Khan and later his grandson Kublai Khan, who were deeply influenced by the bureaucracy of the Tang dynasty. The accountants were the first to enter a city conquered by Mongols, tallying up the total wealth of the city from which the Mongols took 10% to be allocated between the troops. Cities were conquered and then encouraged to remain going concerns. Double entry bookkeeping played an important role in assuring the Mongols weren't fully informed about taxes and expenditures. Ratios, division and multiplication were difficult with Roman numerals and were achieved through a method called doubling. Similarly, addition and subtraction involved an error-prone rearranging of Roman numerals. None of this lent itself to double-entry bookkeeping. As a result, medieval Europe lagged Eastern and Central Asia in adopting double-entry bookkeeping. Hindu Arabic numerals were known in Europe, but those who used them were considered in league with the devil. The prohibition of Hindu-Arabic mathematics was incorporated into statutes prescribing the use of anything but Roman numerals. That such statutes were necessary is an indication of the attractiveness to merchants of double-entry bookkeeping. Fibonacci's book, Liber Abaci, disseminated knowledge about double-entry and Hindu-Arabic numerals widely to merchants and bankers. Because editions were hand-copied, only a small group of people actually had access to its knowledge, primarily Italians. The earliest extant evidence of full double-entry bookkeeping appears in the Feralfi ledger of 1299 to 1300. Giovanni Feralfi and Company, a firm of Florentine merchants headquarters in Nimes, acted as moneylenders to the Archbishop of Erles, their most important customer. The oldest discovered record of a complete double-entry system is the Massari, the Italian treasurer, account of the city Genoa in 1340. The Massari accounts contain debts and credits journalized in a bilateral form and carry forward balances from the preceding year and therefore enjoying general recognition as a double-entry system. The Renaissance the Vatican and the Italian banking setters of Genoa, Florence, and Venice 
grew wealthy in the 14th century. Their operations recorded transactions, made loans, issued receipts, and other modern banking activities. Fibonacci's Libra Abaci was wildly read in Italy, and the Italian Giovanni de Bici de Matici introduced double-entry bookkeeping for the Medici Bank in the 14th century. By the end of the 15th century, merchant ventures in Venice used this system wildly. The Vatican was an early customer for German printing technology, which they used to churn out indulgences. Printing reached a wider audience with widely available reading glasses from Venetian glassmakers. Medieval Europeans tend to be far-sighted, which made reading difficult before spectacles. Italy became a center for European printing, especially with the rise of the Aldine Press editions of classics in Greek and Latin. It was in this environment that a close friend of Leonardo da Vinci, the tutor Luca Pacioli, published a book not in Greek or Latin, but in a language that merchants understood well, Italian vernacular. Pacioli received an abaccio education, an education in the vernacular rather than Latin, and focused on the knowledge required of merchants. His pragmatic orientation, widespread promotion by his friend Da Vinci, and use of vernacular Italian assured that his 1494 publication, Summa di Arithmica, Geometra, Portatroni e Populationa, everything about arithmetic, geometry, and proportion, would become wildly popular. Pacioli's book explained Hindu Arabic numerals new developments in mathematics and the system of double entry was popular with the increasing influential merchant class. In contrast to scholarly abstracts in Latin, Pacioli's vernacular text was accessible to the common man and addressed the needs of businessmen and merchants. His book remained in print for nearly 400 years. Luca's book popularized the words cedre, meaning to entrust, and debre, meaning to owe, the origin of the words debit and credit in accounting, but goes back to the days of single-entry bookkeeping, which had its chief objective keeping tracked amounts owed by customers, debtors, and amounts owned to creditors. Debit in Latin means he owes, and credit in Latin means he trusts. Ragason economist Benedetto Catrolli's treatise Della Mercurtia Eta Mercantia Perfectio contained the earliest known manuscript of double-entry bookkeeping system. His manuscript was first published in 1573. Luco Petroli's book was first printed and published in Venice in 1494. It included a 27-page treatise on bookkeeping, details of calculation and recording. Pacioli wrote primarily for and sold mainly to merchants who used the book as a reference text, as a source of pleasure from the mathematical puzzles it contained, and to aid education of their sons. His work represents the first known printed treatise on bookkeeping, and is widely believed to be the forerunner of modern bookkeeping practice. In Summer de Arithmetica, Pacioli introduced symbols for plus and minus for the first time in a printed book, symbols that became the standard notation in Italian Renaissance mathematics. Summa do Arithmetica 
was also the first known book printed in Italy to contain algebra. Ragusan economist Benedetto Cotoli's treatise contained the earliest known manuscript of double-entry bookkeeping. However, Cotoli's manuscript was not officially published until 1573. In fact, even at the time of writing his work in 1494, Petroli was aware of Cotoli's effects and credited Cotoli with the origination and double-entry bookkeeping system. Although Luca Petroli did not invent double-entry bookkeeping, his 27-page treatise on bookkeeping is an important work because of its wide circulation and the fact that it was printed in the vernacular Italian knowledge. Petroli saw accounting as an ad hoc ordering system devised by a merchant. Its regular use provides the merchant with continued information about his business and allows him to evaluate how things are going and act accordingly. Pacioli recommends the Venetian method of double entry bookkeeping above all others. Three major books of account are the direct basis of this system. The Memorial, Maramdin, the Genorial, the journal, and the quaderno, the ledger. The ledger classes as the central document and is accompanied by an alphabetical index. Pacioli's treatise gave instructions on recording barter transactions and transactions in a variety of currencies, both of which were far more common today. It has enabled merchants to audit their own books and to ensure the entries in the accounting records made by their bookkeepers complied with the method he described. Without such a system, all merchants who did not maintain their own records were at greater risk of theft by their employees and agents. It is not by accident that the first and last items described in these treatise contain maintenance of an accurate inventory. The Renaissance Cultural Context Accounting, as it developed in Renaissance Europe, also had moral and religious connotations recalling the judgment of souls and the audit of sin. Financial and Management Accounting The development of joint stock companies from around the 1600s built wider audiences for accounting information as investors without first-hand knowledge of the operations relied on accounts to provide requisite information. This development resulted in a split of accounting systems for eternal, i.e. management accounting, and external, i.e. financial accounting purposes, and subsequently also in accounting and disclosure regulations, and a growing need for independent adaptation and external accounts by auditors. Modern Professional Accounting Modern accounting is a product of centuries of thought, custom, habit, action and convention. Two concepts have formed the current state of the accountancy profession. Firstly, the development of the double-entry bookkeeping system in the 14th and 15th century. And secondly, accountancy profession was created in the 19th and 20th century. The modern profession of the chartered accountant originated in Scotland in the 19th century. During this time, accountants often belonged to the same associations as solicitors, and the later solicitors sometimes offered accounting services to their clients. 
Early morning accounting had similarities to forensic accounting. Like forensic accounts today, accountants then incorporated the duties of an expert financial witness into their general services rendered. An 1824 circular announcing the accounting practice of one James McKelland of Glasgow promise he will make statements for laying before arbiters, courts, or councils. In July 1854, the Institute of Accountants in Glasgow petitioned Queen Victoria for the Royal Charter. The petition, signed by 49 Glasgow accountants, argued that the profession of accountancy had long existed in Scotland as a distinct profession of great respectability and that although the number of practitioners had originally been few, the number had been rapidly increasing. The petition also pointed out that the accountancy required a varied group of skills, as well as the mathematical skills for calculation. The accountant had to have acquaintance with the general principles of the legal system, as they were frequently employed by the courts to give evidence on financial matters. The Edinburgh Society of Accountants adopted the name Chartered Accountant for members. By the middle of the 19th century, Britain's Industrial Revolution was in full swing, and London was the financial centre of the world. With the growth of the Limited Liability Company and large-scale manufacturing and logistics demanded searched for technically proficient accountants capable of handing the increasingly complex high-world speed global transactions, able to calculate figures like asset depreciation and inventory evaluation, and cognizant of the latest changes in legislation such as the new company law then being introduced. As companies proliferated, the demand for reliable accountancy shot up and the profession rapidly became an integral part of the business and financial systems. Designations by nationality. To improve their status and combat criticism of low standards, local professional bodies in England amalgamated to form the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales, established by Royal Charter in 1880. Initially with just under 600 members, the newly formed institute expanded rapidly it soon drew up standards of conduct and examinations for admission and members were authorised to use the professional designations FCA, Fellow Chartered Accountant, for a firm partner and ACA, Associate Chartered Accountant, for a qualified member of an accountant's staff. In the United States, the American Institute for Certified Public Accountants was established in 1887. In Canada, the Canadian Institute of Chartered Accountants was incorporated in 1902. The Certified General Accountants Association with Canada was founded in 1908, and the Certified Management Accountants of Canada was incorporated in 1920. These three separate Canadian accounting bodies unified as the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada, or CPA, in 2013.